0: Welcome to Coffee, Eggs and Inspiration. It's a weekly show that goes out over YouTube and is a podcast over all of the major channels. And each week I get to sit with an inspiring person and listen to them tell their story and share it with all of you. This week is no different. I'm joined by Steph Capuano. Welcome, Steph. Thank you,
1: thank you.
0: Steph, has, uh, Steph is an entrepreneur. Uh, with an amazing uh, couple of businesses actually and a really interesting story that I thought uh, was well worth sharing. She's the Founder and CEO of 31st State, uh, which is a California-inspired skincare range uh, targeted at boys, Generation Z boys, so we'll talk about that. Uh, She also has a second company, as as if one isn't enough, (laughs) and three it's called, Uh, they do luxury safaris in Southern and Eastern Africa. Uh, background in PR for many years uh, grew up in California now lives like like me as a, an immigrant in uh, in the UK uh, and uh, and has uh, many interests outside of all of these pursuits but very very uh, interesting path uh, starting in the world of PR and then moving into entrepreneurship uh, a story well worth telling so Steph tell me uh, where the idea came from for 31st State
1: Okay. Um, it was pretty straightforward, actually. Being um, a mother of two teenage boys, they basically started to smell and start to get <laughs> spots, as they call them here in England, and I was very stumped about what to give them because here I was feeding them you know, natural products in food and taking the chemicals out of our household cleaning products, giving them the best organic food suddenly they were 13 and 14 needing deodorant needing to shower and everything on the market geared toward them was filled with chemicals right and i couldn't find anything that was healthier but that was stylish and aspirational for guys in their generation who really care about not only their looks but what brands they use and you know they're they're these young entrepreneurial guys that are wearing all these cool brands and then to give them natural deodorant with lavender on it just didn't work right so um i did a little piece a lot of research and um
0: how what was the research what did you do yeah well
1: some of it was just you know anecdotal like spending a lot of time at boots on the high street to look at sort of the mainstream big you know um the options coming from the big companies and then i did research in the smaller more niche um, chemists and pharmacies to see what the smaller brands were putting out And it was either chemicals or so natural, there was nothing in between. That was stylish but natural. And um, I would ask a lot of friends, they all felt they would want to use it too for their boys. But a good friend, who you probably know, um, she is a big marketeer and said to me you can't rest on just your opinion and the opinions of your friends because they're going to tell you what you want to hear right so let's put it to a focus group so before i even spent time jane walsh jane hunter walsh
0: shout out to jane
1: jane thanks (laughs) (laughs) she's brilliant she's been a great mentor um but she rightly suggested putting it out to people we don't know and so we did focus groups with mothers and sons in London from a variety of demographics. And was that
0: with a product? Did you have a product at the time? No, we had nothing. We had a concept,
1: but it was more understanding what do you currently use, what do you like about it, do you care about environmentally friendly products, where does that sit in your your list of criteria when you buy something, how much money would you spend to have something that's a little healthier? You know, are you cynical about all these labels like vegan, eco-friendly, planet-friendly? So we just wanted to determine if it was just me and my friends in our little world in London or if there was something bigger. And what we learned was boys are super aware of the importance of looking after the environment. They're members of Gen Z and they massively care about the climate crisis. But it hadn't really translated into their product choices. They were very much like, we just want it to work. And we want it to look cool.
0: So what, is, what are some examples of chemicals that are in some uh, some brands that are yeah. sort of polluting or not? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, for example, with deodorant, the big thing is aluminum. Aluminium, as you say here. Um, and it's a questionable one. But the, the debate is that, you know, it, here it is causing cancer potentially in women. And it does have the same effect on men in your most porous organ. And here are guys spraying it all over their bodies. Right. Um, so there's that, and then there are like the suff- the, the, the chemicals that co- create foaming action, SLS yeah. and SLES. Yeah. Those are highly toxic, and there's evidence that shows that it's increasingly um, disrupting the hormones in boys and girls. So for boys, and again, this is all new new evidence, but it's out there that it is causing um, infertility in young men. Wow. And so our point was, why not just take it out? If, yeah. if it's questionable, why continue to spray? Why just like yeah. on our food. On, you yeah. know, I grew up in California in the 70s and 80s when they started spraying all of the crops yeah. with, with pesticides. And what we've learned is that it's caused cancer. So if you, if you have a choice, why not take it
0: out? So. Fair enough. And, and and it's not just the sustainability angle, is it? It's, it's also vegan, yeah. um, but what I found really, really interesting about the category, we've got a lot of it at home, by the I way, know, two teenage you, boys you. myself, um, <laughs> is that it, was, it really sort of smashed the stereotypes of alpha males and it totally turned a category on its head that was rather orientated at the time yeah. to uh, girls or unisex, yeah. or, you know, some some sort of neutral thing, right? And, and yeah. uh, was that a deliberate, well, uh, deliberate? It was
1: deliberate because, I mean, part of it is I live with these boys and all their friends, your son, and all these kids in our car all the time and taking them around, and I would sit and listen to them and, and what they care about and how they live their lives. And what I saw in the category is that in, in the clean beauty space, let's call it. There were things for babies and young children, and there were things for teenage girls and things for men and women. Right. But there wasn't anything for these guys who increasingly, between the ages of let's say 12 and 18, really start caring about their image, taking care of themselves. Yeah. Whether in, they're into boys or girls, you suddenly are aware of your yourself, your sexuality, your image, and they care and um, they start grooming. And we felt like they were just totally left out of the discussion of those troublesome years, let's call it, the choppy waters of adolescence. You know, there's so much talk about girls and their body image in those years, but nobody was talking about the boys and how hard it is for them to navigate it. So on a much deeper level, I felt like these boys are left out of this, um, you know, from an emotional standpoint but on a very surface level there just weren't products that were serving them that met my requirements of giving them healthier products um, and things that they actually wanted to use Mm. and thought were cool Mm. and it's very much a niche but what's been interesting is you know the men's grooming market is booming within it the clean category is booming and now what we're seeing is people are targeting boys at a much younger age. And so we're thrilled that we were You're we were in early. I would almost say that we felt we were too early, but then this sort of product-market fit You arrived. caught the wave. You caught we the caught the wave. Market. And the so now we feel proud because there are other people coming to market. Yeah. And people always say, are you stressed that you have competitors now? <laughs> and yes, it is stressful, but at the same time, I think it's a testament that this is a market people are paying attention yeah, it's kind to.
0: Kind of legitimised the category. Yeah, totally. So I
1: hope that answers the question. Absolutely, <laughs>
0: absolutely, it does, and it's and it's really exploded. You did about two years of research, and then yeah. launched about two years exactly. ago, like year three now. Yeah. And and uh, it's exploded, you do direct-to-consumer, so I'll right. put the link below. Thanks! Um, <laughs> yeah, sounds like an infomercial, yeah. it's not meant to be, <laughs> okay. but I will put the link below. But you're also in retailers, you're in uh, ASOS, uh, you're in uh, fr- uh, Free, Free People. People, Urban Outfitters is, yeah. is coming on board, yeah. Yeah. Uh, lots of others. Did you find it difficult to have a combination of that direct-to-consumer yeah. and retail? Did the retailers feel... Uh, uneasy about that?
1: Yeah it was interesting because when we launched it I had this vision and I was interviewing all these entrepreneurs and investors who had invested in subscription models like Dollar Shave Club and you know these billion dollar companies and I had this image in my head that a mother would sign up for it or a guy would sign up for it and it just got delivered every six weeks. It's sort of your grooming solutions. What we found was that you know, starting from scratch in a new sector, we'll call it clean beauty for Gen Z was a lot more work to get yep. organic customers. And so our direct to consumer business kept growing and growing and it's been great. But we were on the market about four months. Our idea was to be direct consumer only. Right. Make a bunch of money and <laughs> serve this category and, you know, move on. But anyway, um they, ASOS came to us about four months after we launched, they found us, which was amazing. And for them, we you know, we went to their headquarters and it felt so exciting and it wasn't what we had planned. But the minute I walked in there and it was just filled with young people, I was yeah. like, these are my people, these are the people using our products, they totally got it. And when I said to her, how did you find us and what were you, why are you interested in us? I was thinking it was the packaging, because so I'll tell you about our whole packaging journey. Yeah. It's quite an interesting one. Um, I thought it was about the ingredients and, or, sorry, I thought it was going to be more about the design of the products. And she said, no, it's vegan. And we have a really hard time finding really cool vegan products right. okay. for Gen Z guys. Yeah. There's a lot out there for girls and yeah. men and women, but it was very unique to us that you were really serving this niche demographic. Yeah. And that really like legitimized our business so early on. It was really... The moment for, yeah, it, it gave us some scale really early. They've been a great customer for two years, and that continues to grow. I think in my boys' eyes, that was the moment that they, They're like, oh, okay, she's not such a dork. (laughs) She kind of doesn't know what she's doing. So I think it legitimized it for a lot of people. For sure,
0: yeah, ASOS. Because
1: ASOS uh, is so cool. It's a cool
0: company, very progressive. Shout out to uh, ASOS as well. You mentioned packaging. What's the story? Okay, so with
1: packaging, um, I knew nothing about packaging. My background was I was in PR in the pharmaceutical industry. We take very complex medical studies and... Rewrite them and present them to the press and teach CEOs how to talk to the press in three bullet points and to stay on message (laughs) About what it is their study did so it was pretty like high-level Synthesizing of information so I knew nothing people thought because I worked in the pharmaceutical industry I knew everything about developing products and launching them. I didn't I knew how to sell them to the media, but Anyway, we searched, we probably interviewed 10 design companies in London. And the 10th one, every single one we went to, I felt like the concepts they were presenting were things I'd seen on my husband's shelf. And I just, you know, they were nice and they were sophisticated, but there was nothing that felt like my kids, my teenage boys who are these pretty hip, cool boys, they're, you know, selling their stuff on Depop and wearing cool brands and nothing, Resonated with me, and on the last one, the the woman I'd hired to sort of guide me through this process, a brand con- or a, a product development consultant, she's like, "Now these guys, they've never done beauty. I don't know what to expect, but they've done Adidas. They do stuff for Nike. They do yeah. Beats. They do Smirnoff. You know all these brands that my boys would know." i was yeah, like, I'm "All sure. right, let's go." And we literally went in, and it was one of their first offices, this shoebox in in Hoxton or Hackney Wick. And I was like, this is so dangerous, but this feels so good. (laughs) Like the minute, I couldn't stop smiling. I was just looking around like, this is the coolest place. These guys, they were like kids to me, but they were amazing. And um, it would almost be like if Jake was in there designing for me. It was, I think the graphic designer was 22 years old. Really? And I loved it. They did something totally different that you didn't see in beauty. They hand drew a font. They created the font from scratch based on vintage surf, Posters from the '60s in California—that was the inspiration—and then they trademarked our font, and it looks very different than what you'd see for beauty. Amazing, but um, it just—it's cool and it different, is, yeah. and so it does stand apart on shelf, which we're thrilled about. And it was a very—it was probably my most dangerous hire. Yeah, but I loved it, and we did have one major mistake in all of it: is that. Um, We were about to launch it, or send it to manufacturing. We had the prototype. And a friend of mine worked for, she was very senior in the retail business, and she worked for Victoria's Secret. She was the president out in Ohio, and her husband's a big private equity guy in the consumer goods area. And they were kind of, let's say, mentoring me through the whole process, always looking at logos, and concepts, and giving me direction. And her husband came to dinner one night, Friday before we were about to manufacture on a Monday, you know, now three years ago, and I was like, look at, look at, here it is, here's the prototype. And he was like, this isn't what you told me you were making. He's like, that's, that looks like someone at Boots and like Nottingham made that, made that. Oh. That doesn't look like some cool brand from, Calde- oh, I was devastating. Granted, we were all like drinking and I was like, did he just say that? And the next morning I woke up and I was like, oh my God, I think I have to redesign everything. And he called me and he said, I'm so sorry. That was too straightforward. I was like, no, you know what? I feel relieved. It wasn't, it wasn't the brand that we talked about. And I stayed on this track to like meet a timeline to approve design concepts because we wanted to stay on our timeline. But it wasn't what I wanted, and it wasn't right, and nobody. I didn't feel pride showing it to people. I wasn't like, "This is my brand." I was like, "This is our brand." And now, when I show it to people, yeah. I'm like, "This is what we made," yeah. and I'm so proud of it. But we did. A, I called the guys on Monday morning. I was like, "We stop press. We need to redesign. Really? It's not what I want." Sixteen thousand pounds later, I wow. keep teasing my friend. I'm like, "You owe me sixteen grand." <laughs> But I had to do that's a bold
0: move and and it would have interrupted your schedule. Oh did we delayed
1: us nine months. Nine months. Because then we had to get approval all over again on all the new designs and anyway, this is long, but you could Yeah. So it was one of the most expensive mistakes, but best mistakes we made was to totally scrap it and start over. And that's when these guys got really creative and literally Hand drew this font, and we love it now. And it's sort of this iconic look within the category that people aren't doing, yeah. certainly weren't doing. So it's fun. It's it's just totally. If we wanted it to be more like a lifestyle product right. rather than your deodorant yep. or your body wash.
0: It certainly stands out on our shelves. Oh, well, I, I think the other thing that's cool that you've you've done a lot of sort of, I wouldn't call it scrappy, but really innovative uh, marketing around it. You've got a <laughs> blog uh, on the on the site, which yeah. is kind of a lifestyle blog and it's not written by people like you and me right it's written by this demographic and you've got some ambassadors you've got a skateboarder in there a tennis player a footballer talk to me about the marketing strategy Yeah. so
1: yes scrappy is the name of the game because we (laughs) spent all our money getting it to market and it's really expensive to develop skincare products and you pay everything up front and then you sit on your stock so there was no i mean that's where all our resources went to and and we needed to have them be very well made. They needed to work. So we spent a lot of money on that and we had no money to market, no money for PR. I did have a PR agency help me at the beginning. They were amazing, The sky's White London. And they were great, just super scrappy and flexible with me and super creative. And through them, we found some really cool young ambassadors that are members of this generation. A tennis, up and coming tennis player, a vegan freestyle football player and a skateboarder. And they all kind of embodied the, the life or, the, that we were channeling. Yeah. And so um, so we had them from the start. And then what we did is we just, I kept asking my kids and their friends, all these people that were always in my car or sitting around my kitchen table or around my house drinking, all these questions about their life and how they groom. And what I realized is I can't... You know, I'm not gonna disclose my age on here, but I'm a middle-aged woman, I'm not, I can't tell these, I can't represent them. And I never wanted it to be like a mom brand. I wanted it to be their brand. So we turned over kind of the marketing, but all the um, content creation to them. So I found, I have a lot of interns, as it's you know. Change. It is, it's scary, and they are pain in the ass to manage, <laughs> as we know from parenting them. But these kids have so much, I'm sorry to call them kids, young people have so much to offer. Yeah. They are so interesting, they're so bright, people don't give them enough credit. They are, in one breath, immature, and in the next breath, so insightful and wise totally. that yes. you can't even believe what comes out of their mouth. Yeah. And part of it is they're so unadulterated, they're not protected, yeah. protecting themselves. They just say what's on their mind, and it's so powerful. And so we wanted to capture that. So our photography is done by members of this generation, our, um, all of our blogs are written by, if you want to write blogs, call me, <laughs>
0: we, um, Yeah, we do,
1: we, we are open to anybody and the, con- the, the topics are everything that they carry as a generation, so these kids are writing about everything from mental health, to rape on campus, to the Me Too movement, to drug use, to academic pressure, wow. to careers, what they, climate crisis, I mean it's massive for them, what they're facing. So it's just been really profound for us to yeah. hear from them because, you know, I could write a blog about how to take care of your skin, but they, nobody cares. Like you can go to GQ to find that out, yeah. you know? Yeah. And what I love about the platform we've created is it's their voice yeah. and we're young and we're starting out, but we've, we're, we're growing and we have this, this um, growing team of, yeah. of people writing for us and photographing for us. And we're working on a new project called the Choice Project, which yes after I have to go to the meeting for that, but it's a photography project involving right. this generation, which wow. will be really cool. We hope to launch it in June. So um, it's just been a really powerful way to yeah. market.
0: Interesting, yeah, I mean, you're really sort of walking the talk and living, living well, the brand. We, we, we try to, yeah. And, and bold choices. I want to switch gears here. I mean, we haven't even talked about the other company. Oh yeah. Uh, and Three, which is a luxury safari company. Yeah. Two very different businesses. And you kind of you were doing these almost in parallel, yeah. right? And this was after having been in PR for mm-hmm. twelve years, yeah. And then uh, a break for uh, raising two kids. Three. Don't forget Claudia. Oh, oh, <laughs> I do have a daughter, yeah. but no one talks <laughs> about her because she's the, the daughter. The two boys. <laughs> she's yeah. fourteen. Yeah. I know the two boys, but <laughs> she's three, three kids. Say. Yeah. Um, how, how did that feel? You know not only was it a, a, a massive pivot yeah from a professional point of view mm-hmm. jumping off the deep end and starting your own company actually not one but two yeah at the same time um but also uh transitioning out of you know that phase into back into uh yeah. back, back into work What? yeah how did that feel i like? have so
1: many things to say and like i mean i I've never felt more empathetic with women my age who we had, you know, we were raised to have a voice and an opinion and a career and we all went and had these dynamic careers and then you have children and it's a crisis about leaving them. And I worked for Ketchum Public Relations for 12 years. They were amazing and I grew in the ranks from an assistant up to a vice president in their health care group over in this country. I was in San Francisco, New York and then London with them and sort of grew up with the company and they were amazing and trying to find the right role for me when I went on maternity yeah. leave. And it just ultimately didn't work because we know in a service industry like PR, you don't own your time. Yeah. So it just didn't work, but they were incredible with me and I've stayed good friends with them. And one of my great mentors, this guy, David Gallagher, who's still part of Omnicom has guided me through my whole career and personal life. And you know, so I've taken with me. Thank all. you, David. Thanks, David. <laughs> He's been amazing. And um, it was really hard to make the decision to stop working after this really successful career. Yep. But I also knew it was such a gift to have those years with my kids. And um, it's a very hard decision for women. Yep. And you cannot underestimate it. And so I kind of stopped out. I had a long couple of gap years watching the kids and helping you know, get them on their feet. And that was, as I said, just a, gr- a gift. Um, but I did hit this point where I felt not that my job is done because as we know the age of our teens now, we've never been more mm. fraught with guiding them through mm. adolescence and the decisions they're making and all those things. But I also got to this point where I felt like I, my self-worth was challenged. You know, mm. I felt like I need to do something for me again and my, mm. n- my, navigation back into the workplace was actually um, a fashion designer, Dura Olu, which we didn't have on here. I did a short stint oh, really? working in fashion for this really cool British Nigerian designer. And I was one of his customers and he kept saying, you have this creativity in you, you're not doing, you know, you could be doing more and, right. you know, I didn't know how to get back into working, but yeah. he, he was like, come work for me. I'll pay you in clothes and do my PR and help me with the buyers. And I loved it just to be around grown-ups again. And yeah to be around somebody who was so creative, I mean he's just a brilliant creative man and he's African and I love Africa and so that was really cool and I did that for about a year and a half and then another friend helped me, asked me to help her grow her African safari company Right. and you know anything having to do with Africa I'm in, I just think it's such a spiritual place, it really speaks to me. I don't know, it's just it's such a moving place. And um, so I helped her grow her business for a couple of years. Yeah. And in that time is when I thought of doing all this stuff with right. the boys, like all these, you know, I never thought I'm gonna be a brand founder in the skincare business. Yeah. Never in a million years did I think I was gonna do that. Yeah. But it came from a place of need, and it's been interesting because, you know, I come in contact with so many female founders now, and female run businesses and read a lot about you know what makes a successful business and so many of them are founded because they come from a place of need right. and therefore they're many times founded yeah. by a woman who's running the household yeah. because we're the purchasers and we know what we need yeah. and what's missing and so with 31st State it really came from a place of need. Anyway so then I started you know doing the background work all while doing the safari business and There was a moment in all of that where the company I was working for sort of disbanded but I had brought on two great friends, one in New York and one in Sydney, to help me grow that safari business. And they were like, Steph, we got to keep going, let's go. And I'm like, I'm about to launch this other business. And I thought it was perfect timing to just sort of transition out of Africa.
0: Oh, okay. And
1: into 31st State. But these girls were like, you you, you got us into Africa. We need, you, yeah, we need you for the connections with all the people you've met over the years. Yeah. And I was like, great, okay, let's launch this. And anyway, it just transitioned to doing both. Yeah. And there are moments where it's way too much. But at the same time I really feel strongly that if you put all your focus into one thing and all you do is concentrate on one thing you totally lose your creativity. Right. And what I love about the Africa business is that it's so hospitality is such a different thing than what I'm doing. They're both service oriented, but it gives me so much creativity and it's so good for my soul that I don't want to give it up.
0: I think they call that cognitive switching when you sort of going okay. backwards and forwards between it. Yeah, I, I, I you can't do even... it
1: because you've well, got your
0: record label uh, and you've got, yeah. you know, this job and <laughs> a little bit. Well, it's a spice of life. Isn't it? Yeah, a little bit, exactly. A little bit of variety. Yeah, look, I, you know, I talked to uh, my wife about this and, it, you know, all families go through this calculus, right, yeah. of, of, of getting the balance right. And what I hear, I mean, we chose, uh, in our case, um, for me to continue yeah. working for her to be at home. And I know quite a few stay-at-home dads as well. Yeah. And what I hear uh, from uh, from from the people I talk to is that there's this sort of, uh, on the one hand, amazingly fulfilling, busy, incredibly difficult uh, occupation, um, but at the same time, from a profession, professional point of view, a loss of confidence. Totally. Right? And 100%. so how did, how did yeah. the confidence yeah. uh, rebuild for you? How did, how did, was it that, just getting back into Yeah, st- it was. St- and slowly. it was such
1: a crisis. And I hear this from every friend that tries to go back into the workplace. And so I appreciate businesses who champion women coming back so much. Like, my staff is we're all women and a bunch of teenagers right. and it is women who have come back into the workforce and I lo- I'm i so proud of that because they have so much to offer but it's baby steps you know you have to be you sort of have to take these small bites and take start taking bigger bites yeah. to um, as you grow and to get more confidence because you forget you actually have, are smart and you have a lot to offer yeah. but you're so used to like cleaning the house and doing the dishes and driving kids to cricket that you forget you have more to offer. Yeah. And I think that I think it just takes time. Yeah. And I I think you have to throw yours you know, as a woman I found with me, I had to throw myself back into going to networking things, going to talks, putting yourself out there. And many times you're in a room full of men who never stopped out of life to raise the kids, who have much more confidence, and it takes a lot to remember. I'm just as smart as him. Yeah. I just took a gap.
0: Years, you know, probably in many cases, a bit Smart. <laughs> I don't know and about that. But. The jeopardy of futurist. Yeah. Um, what a what a great uh, note to end on. Um, think about the people who are watching or, or listening. Uh, maybe there's some young people, you know, our, our kids' yeah. ages, thinking about what comes next. Maybe there's some uh, people more of our generation yeah. thinking about their next pivot. What would what would your advice be? Gosh, that's a hard one.
1: Um, I would say, for the kids. Um, go for it. I mean, you guys are in such a unique position. You're the next generation of voters, consumers, leaders, and you're 40% of, you know, they're 40% of, of consumer revenues at the moment. You are in such a unique position to make change. And I think you just go for it. Be bold, be brave, be humble, but go for it. And I would say for, for our generation is, um, you know, in terms of navigating life with these kids, they have a lot to offer. Let's not discount them. They need our guidance, but boy do they have a lot of, of unadulterated views we should be listening to. And um, I think in terms of navigating our next step, is you, you have to be brave too and just take baby steps and, and go for it. We don't always know what we're doing, but... <laughs>
0: Have a go. Have a go. Well, exactly. your your story is very inspirational oh, to thank me. I you. think the businesses Thanks. are wonderful, and uh, you're you're the epitome of uh, entrepreneurial courage. Thank you. That well, story? that's very nice. Thank you very thank much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Thanks. <laughs> thank you.